All right, midweek on the fan pregame. This is Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan for the next hour. Leafs and Stars across the network. Tonight, the Robertson Bowl. That one sells. John Tavares taking the CRA to court for $8 million. This is a weird day today. And puck drop at 7 p.m. We're going to be joined by Josh Cloak of The Athletic at 6.30 for our pregame show. And Raptors and Hornets tonight. It's a reunion of sorts for Kyle Lowry, but... Put more accurately, it's a rare opportunity for the Raptors to play a team they are looking down at in the standings. That game is on Sportsnet 1. We are less than 24 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. Lots of Raptors rumors still floating around, including Bruce Brown, Chris Boucher, maybe Jakob Pertl. Uh, Joe Cacharo joins us in studio in a moment. Unless you have a Vlad update for me. We don't have Vlad ah. update, at least not yet. Uh, we're hoping to have that uh, sometime this week. It just seems like we're dragging our, our feet on this one a just a little bit. Thing? But uh, Well, ARB's a bad thing, just yeah. put put pretty uh, bluntly. Uh, so we'll see if we ever get that update on Vlad that we are all waiting for with bated breath. All right, let's bring in our first guest of the day. Uh, in studio, Joe Kishara of The Score and Pound the Rock podcast. Joey Cash, thanks for coming in. Yeah, glad to finally do this. You know, it's, it's been a <laughs> yeah. while in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time we see you, we're like, uh, hello, it's time. <laughs> so we did make it happen. Um, and this is a great time to do it. Obviously, tomorrow, NBA trade deadline, Raptors back in action tonight. Uh, let's just start with the today news or the today focus, which is Raptors versus Charlotte. As Justin said, one of few teams actually below them in the standings. I don't know. Is this a time or an opportunity for the Raptors to, like, get some vibes up? <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, it depends. Sold. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it depends what vibes mean, right? Mm. If vibes mean grab some wins, I mean, Charlotte's one of the rare opportunities where, like Cuthbert said, they're looking down on them in the standings. It's, you know, I think even if this has become a season of development and even if the play-in is out of reach and all that, you want to sprinkle in some wins here and there, yeah. right? Even for a guy like Scotty and or the young guys, quickly, whoever, mm. Barrett, who's been in and out of the lineup. Like, you want to have their efforts and all that rewarded with a win here and there. They're not going to win many, but you also don't want to be the Pistons. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's a weird time, right? It's, it's reminiscent, I guess, uh, of last year just a little bit because everyone was waiting on the deadline. And we're all still waiting on the deadline, it seems here. But I guess with less questions because, you know, the bigger dominoes have fallen. But it is tricky waiting on the deadline, no matter what players are kind of up for grabs, uh, if you want to put it that way. Like, there's still a large chunk of this team that could be traded in the next 24 hours. Uh, do you think that is having some of a hold on this team right now? Like, is it is it contributing to the failures right now, or is it just a matter of, you know, talent and, and the Raptors being where they should be? Yeah, exactly. I think what's contributing to the failures, if you want to call it that, is they traded Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi in the middle of a season where they were already struggling to stay at or around 500 Mm -hmm. a year after they were already a losing team and then lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing. I think that is more contributing to what you're seeing on the court right now than any kind of cloud hanging over their head. Sure, the guys know the team could look different by tomorrow, whether it's Bruce Brown, potentially, you know, Mm -hmm. his short stay being over potentially a Dennis Schroeder, a Gary Trent, even a Chris Boucher, Jakob Pertl, who Ailish mentioned, mm-hmm. like they could flip him a year after they acquired him. So there is still a bit of a cloud, but I don't think it's enough with players of those caliber to really dictate what's happening. Now. I don't mm-hmm. think, I think it's just, they're not good enough anymore. They know that they finally made a decision to pivot to the youth and a bit of a rebuild. And that's what you're seeing on the court. We did see a nice wholesome moment. Uh, Scotty Barnes, obviously being added to the all-star weekend. I mean, obviously, it's not the the way that I probably would have wanted a guy to get voted in, but he's there nonetheless. So what does this mean for his young career? Only nine Raptors before have been an all-star. He's in his third season. I think he'll probably get there on his own another time, but this is a pretty big honor for him. Yeah, it's a huge honor, and it's well-deserved. I mean, I think the way it kind of worked out is 
the way it should have, where, you know, numbers-wise, he maybe deserved a spot right away. But when your team is playing 340 basketball, that's not always going to happen. He ends up being an injury replacement. I think it kind of worked the way it should have. But, yeah, for Scotty, I mean, it's a great honor. But for the Raptors, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel and the silver lining in this season is that Scotty Barnes has, you know, somewhat proven that he's more the guy we saw in his rookie year when he won Rookie of the Year and he looked like the kind of player that you can build a franchise around as opposed to the guy we saw last year where there were a lot of questions because the fact that he has shown what he has shown this season made it easier to trade a Pascal Siakam instead of, you know, thinking about what comes... I still maintain they should have traded him in the offseason and gotten more for him, but it definitely made it easier to choose a path to look towards the future and all that when you've got a guy as good as Scotty Barnes is at 22 years old. What hasn't Scotty proven Um, uh, this year, uh, at least recently or lately? It's like, okay, you got IQ and and you got RJ who's going to, you know, shoulder some of that offensive load. Uh, But the vibes haven't been great uh, with Scotty, at least lately. Part of that might have been, hey, waiting on the All-Star, not getting the All-Star originally. I'm not really sure. Um, but, you know, it was like, okay, he's not going to coexist with Pascal Siakam. Why? And then you bring in guys who, hey, you're going to build with Scotty, but it doesn't look like it's seamless yet. The task of building around Scotty, do you think that's a little bit more difficult than Masai had originally thought? I don't think so. I think that his skill set at his size and the versatility there, especially on both ends, and the fact that he can handle the ball, kind of run the offense from that point forward position, and especially now that he can shoot a little bit too, I think that player prototype is one of the easier ones to build around in the NBA. So the fact that they've got that guy is a really good first step. But I think what you're seeing in terms of the vibes you talked about and what he still has to prove, I think for me it's, you know, what he's done this year is great. Being an all-star caliber player is great. And at the beginning of the season, being like an all-NBA caliber player. But can you do that for 82 games or most of 82 games, right? From October through April, can you do it for 48 minutes or as many minutes as you play as opposed to, you know, sometimes you get one Scotty in the first quarter and another one in the second quarter Mm -hmm. or one in the first half and you're thinking it's kind of a quiet night for him. And then sure, he has a great fourth quarter as part of a half kind of fake comeback. But, you know, if he's going to get to that level of the kind of player where it's a no-brainer, like the kind of superstar where it's like, okay, we have that guy, we can figure out the rest later – to get to that level and that true all-NBA level, the superstar level, he's got to do what he's doing now more consistently. And I think it'll come. He is still 22 in his third year, but he needs to do that. Is there like a little bit of maturity tied into that? I know we've seen some clips, you know, post-game uh, floating around where he's waiting for the ball and you can see some frustration when he's not getting it. And like, obviously this team is weak right now. Uh, they're, they're not in a great spot. But if you're going to develop into a star, sometimes not seeing those moments of frustration, those moments of wanting more I, I guess you say he's 22 23 years old he's going to get there but maturity is something that you learn and you grow into as well 100 percent, yeah, i agree and i think that even over the course of his three seasons i mean one thing to remember is like you know same thing with every sport a lot of prospects they come into the league they were you know king of the hill wherever they were and they were usually on winning teams because if you're mm. at that level sure. at that age and you're going to be a future nba or you probably dominate at every level you have right you're not used to losing then Scotty comes into the NBA, wins Rookie of the Year on a surprising team that won 48 games and looked like they were building towards something. They were supposed to win something of, or at least play for something of significance last year, and that didn't work out. We saw what happened this year. I think what you're seeing is a guy getting used to losing for mm-hmm. probably the first time in his life, to be honest with you, and now the responsibilities fall squarely on his shoulders. He is the guy. He is now the face of the franchise. A lot of responsibility comes with that. 
and you're seeing, I think, some growing pains, and I think that's okay. And in terms of, I know Cuthbert, Cuthbert mentioned earlier too, the, you know, he didn't fit with Siakam for whatever reason, and maybe it hasn't been as seamless as people wanted with Quickly. To me, that's what the rest of this season is about. It's getting him, and especially Quickly, Barrett as well, but Quickly, because Quickly to me is the guy that fits Barnes' skill set so perfectly, the two of them together. And I think developing some sort of on-court chemistry and a two-man game between those guys the rest of the way is the most important thing for the Raptors. Because on paper, in theory, it fits. Those guys fit together so perfectly, Mm -hmm. but they need the reps. They need the games together. They need crunch time together. And the hope is that by the time next season starts, they've figured all this kind of, I wouldn't say, I don't think there's any friction Mm. off the court, but, you know, a little bit of on-court friction, which is normal for two young players playing together for the first time. So do you risk uh, alienating these guys too much with a busy trade deadline? Uh, If there's just nothing to support these guys, I mean, I guess they can run their two-man game, but is that adequate? Is that enough? Is that sufficient? Like, can you you really build and answer the questions you need to answer if all of a sudden they're just playing with replacement-level talent? The reason I think it's fine is because of where they are in the standings right now. Like, for example, if they had taken off for whatever reason after the trades and they were knocking on the door of a playoff spot right now and playing really well. Right, exactly. (laughs) And And then they continue to sell off and really detract from the team. And now you're telling a guy like Scotty, hey, I know you've got a great chance to compete, but forget that. We're going into the tank. We're going into the basement. I think that would be a hard sell and probably sap his motivation for the rest of the year. But I think given where they are in the standings, the fact that him, even quickly, and Barrett have to see, like, they're smart enough to see what this is now. You know, I'm not saying they can't maybe squeak into the play and race again at some point, but, you know, I think they're five games back a 10th with less than a half season to go. They've already made two sell trades. They have to see the writing on the wall. So we're less than 24 hours from the trade deadline. Uh, I guess the most likely name at this point to get moved seems to be Bruce Brown. Uh, hearing rumors for like a first rounder possibly. He, he's been a nice addition, but you're kind of like hesitantly loving him, right? Because you think, okay, he might be on his way out. So I guess your likely level of this happening and what the Raptors should uh, be hoping for by tomorrow with him. I think you hope someone puts at least a first round pick on the table and you trade him. Unfortunately, it's just kind of the way the timing works. Like, Bruce Brown's a really good player who fits seamlessly in any system. He also helps the Raptors play the way Darko Ryakovich wants them to play. He is a really good connector. He does a lot of things well that aids a budding star like Scotty Barnes. But unfortunately, and he's also only 27. It's not like he's like some over-the-hill guy. So he could fit as part of a future. But unfortunately, when the Raptors are in the position they're in, He's got a $22, $23 million player option for next, or sorry, team option for next season, which makes him attractive to other teams. I feel like at any other point, he would really fit what the Raptors are doing going forward. I just think timing-wise, this isn't it. And best case scenario, someone gives you a good package for him. Uh, Timing-wise, is it like rip the Band-Aid off time for the Raptors? It's just like, okay, like no more talk of like what was before holding on to mistakes of the past. Is it just like clean slate's got to be over like this phase has to end tomorrow yeah and i think by and large it's already happened like for me ripping the band-aid off was the og trade and the siakam trade especially Mm -hmm. again i argue with the timing of that siakam trade should have been done earlier but at the end of the day i think that was them ripping the band-aid off and for the most part the struggles you've seen since then are part of that right that comes with ripping the band-aid off it's gonna hurt yeah and there's gonna be growing pains and they're going through those right now 
Is there more they could do? Is there like Boucher, Yak? Is that like can that be included in the band aid here? It, it could for yeah. sure. That's what I'm saying. Like if the price is right for any of these guys, Brown, who's only been here a little while, but for sure there could be more, and arguably should be more if the price is right and they can get more future minded assets, draft capital. But I don't. I just don't think anyone left over, unfortunately, is good enough that them staying or leaving is really going to make a difference mm. either way. You know what I mean? Like, if they don't trade a Gary Trent or a Chris Boucher by tomorrow, I wouldn't be like, oh, they haven't ripped the Band-Aid off. It's yeah. been ripped. Yeah, it, it has been ripped. Uh, but, like, the Trent one, I almost feel like just, like, not failed. But if you look back at the trading history, it's like, Norm, like, you didn't really get anything for Norman Powell. And now Norman Powell might win six man on a team that might be the number one seed in the in the Clippers. Like, you kind of just want to f- completely turn the page. And I don't know. Like, it just seems like Gary's just, like, oscillating back and forth and not really finding. Like, if you just clear clear the slate and start fresh, I, I do feel like it would help. In a, it would go a long way. I agree. And I think if you look back at when that trade was made, the Raptors were in somewhat of a similar situation. They were underachieving that year. That was the year everyone was waiting to see, are they going to trade Kyle and all this? And, you know, they didn't look like they were going to be even a play-in team. And they made the half-hearted decision to sell. They kept Kyle, but they did trade Norm. And at the time, why I thought it made sense was Norm was headed towards free agency. And Gary, who they got, was younger, I thought had more upside, and was headed toward restricted free agency. So I figured, okay, it's more team control. Um, I think there's a chance Gary will be worth more, sorry, or worth his next contract more than Norm will be worth his next, right? I thought there was an argument to be made for that, but it just didn't work out like that. You know, Norm on the contract he ended up on would have been a really good help for the Raptors. And Gary, while I understood taking that shot on him, it just hasn't worked out, like, for whatever reason. And his shooting is good but inconsistent. The rest of his game needs to be rounded out. Doesn't always make the best IQ plays on the court. And Mm -hmm. to your point, I think he's part of the Band-Aid being ripped off. I just, if you don't get any... But it's not like you're clinging to the past. Exactly. But but there might be just, like, almost ceremonial in a sense just like yeah. moving on right yeah. and just like put not not doubling down on that mistake signing another contract with right. them like it just feels like you kind of yeah. hit the end of the road on that yeah like chris boucher and that meme of fresh fresh prince of yeah. bel-air with he's the only one left from the championship team like maybe it is just best to start fresh and have a new face and your young kid uh doing what he's doing so far in his third season so best possible outcome for raptors fans tomorrow like you know raptors twitter sometimes hard to make happy how do we make them happy tomorrow i'd say regardless of who's going who's staying if they come out of tomorrow with at least one more first round pick than they have today and for the love of god not another one in 2024 okay, i was that gonna was, ask you about that draft like that, you are also not excited about this i draft. am not so okay I, so <laughs> yeah i mean everyone obviously you've seen all the draft experts you've seen um scouts and all that talk about that i have like one scout who's done some stuff for NBA people that I've become friends with. And I had texted him a couple weeks ago asking, because I don't pretend to know enough about prospects. I'm too busy covering the NBA all year. And I asked him via text, like, is, is this draft class as bad as everyone's making it sound? People saying it's the worst in at least 11 years. And he texted back one word, worse. So oh boy. I'm not high on this draft class. That was part of the reason why I wasn't high on the Siakam trade return. Because it's like, yeah, three first round picks, but two thirds of them are going to be in the second half of a first round that's so bad that you were okay trading a first rounder right. in this mm. class for Jakob Pertl. So uh, real quick, the one thing I will mention with respect to Gary, mm-hmm. I think best case for all parties probably to move on. But the one thing I will say, it might be a little bit of, you know, not knowing what you have till it's gone, at least mm-hmm. even in the short term. Cause you talk about how tough it'll be for Scotty and the young guys. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing around them, if there's one thing Gary can do, it's shoot. 
yeah. and taking spacing away from these young guys in an offense that already isn't that good, you know, that will make it more difficult for Scotty and company the rest yeah. of the way. I mean, that is a fair point. Uh, you mentioned best possible outcome for tomorrow in terms of like trade return. What's the best possible outcome for the season? Because we know top six protected this lottery pick. Like, should Raptors fans hope that they're in the bottom six and that they keep the pick and they try to mine out some sort of talent out of the top six? Or is it, let's just rip the Band-Aid off once more and just boot it to next season? I think it should be, I really think this draft class is, again, based on what all the experts are saying and what I've heard, is bad enough that they should just let the chips fall where they may. And if they end up keeping the pick because they land top six because of the decisions they made, that's fine. But... I also am completely okay if they end up winning some games. Maybe you thought they shouldn't have won and they end up giving away like the eighth pick this year, but then everything resets and they now have all of their future first. Mm-hmm. Because one thing with this pick is that because it is, it's top six protected this year, there's rollover protections next year. And for like the way it works is because it's possible that they give up the pick next year instead of this year. The Raptors actually can't trade a first rounder right now, I believe till 2027 because you can't trade it in two straight years, and there's a chance they could tra- it goes in 2025, which means they can't trade it in 26. So it, the best thing for them might actually be get rid of the get pick this, in this, this bad class, you. and then you get your all your picks, again, are available to you, whether it's because you want to use them or you want to trade it. The NBA makes things a little complicated. I'm yeah. not just like, oh, there's all these rules. This, yeah. this, this, uh, and NHL is like, your pick, move <laughs> on. Um, all right, outside of the Raptors, team to watch tomorrow, whether it's for selling off or going in. Okay, this might be a little out of left field, but I'm going to say the Utah Jazz. And the reason is because... Field. Yeah, because <laughs> The reason is because last year, they were a surprising team. They were a supposed tanker that mm-hmm. ended up being too good to tank. And they were in the play-in race all year, and they sold anyway. And it really they ended up sinking a bit and, and all that. And now this year, they find themselves in a similar situation where they've been so good over the last month or so. They're a 500 team. Lowry Markkinen's an emerging star. Um, and they have as much draft capital as any team in the NBA except for OKC. So it's not like they really need more of that stuff, but they've got some veterans, expiring contracts that are attracted to contenders. So Utah is interesting to me because you can make the argument they should sell again, and they're going to add even more draft capital to all that they have to build going forward. But on the other side, it can kind of see it being like, you know, it's a bit of a hard sell to a fan base and even to a star like Lowry Markin to be like, hey, I know we did this last year where we took away an opportunity for you to compete for a playoff spot. We're going to do it again this year. Like, that's easier said than done. So they're a fascinating team to me because they'll probably sell. If I were them, I would think about buying. And yeah, they've got players that could swing things. Uh, you mentioned the team that I'm most interested in. That's Shea Gilgis Alexander's Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, we know they have uh, loads of prospect capital, uh, draft pick capital. It seems like they're reluctant, though, to actually push those chips in the table despite, you know, competing for the number one seed in the Western Conference, although I think they've fallen back just a little bit. At least the pace maybe has slowed down. Do you expect them to make this move sooner than later where they're actually going all in, or is it another season of, hey, we'll finish where we finish, we'll compete, we got SGA to lean on to help us get through uh, one series, maybe two, maybe three, but uh, do you expect them, when is the all-in move coming for OKC? I, I hope it's soon. I would expect that it's this summer or next season, because this core actually hasn't really had a playoff run together. Their GM, Sam Presti, uh, famously before this season, uh, in talking about how everyone wants them to make this move, 
he said, we're going to finish our breakfast first or something along those lines. Like we haven't even finished our breakfast yet as a way to say, you know, like we're not going to rush into things, but you watch the Thunder play. SGA is, you know, might be the MVP this year. At worst, he's a top five player in the world. Mm -hmm. Jalen Williams is a budding star. Chet Holmgren is going to be another transcendent talent for them. They're fighting for first in the West. They are very much a contender as presently constructed. Sure, they haven't had a playoff race together, a playoff run together, but Sam Presti, like, I feel like you guys have finished your breakfast. It's time for lunch, you know? Like, make the yeah. all-in, maybe not an all-in move, but make a win-now move. Doesn't mean you have to trade all those assets for a star, but move a couple of them for a couple guys that can help you in the playoffs, and you might have a chance to win this year. Last one for you, and this might be a hard one to answer, but how do the Lakers make LeBron James happy? <sighs> uh, <laughs> That shit may have sailed. Yeah. <laughs> a while ago, that shit may have sailed when Rob Polinka, their GM, uh, Rob Lowe lookalike. Draft Bronny. Yeah. Honestly, at this yeah. point, that might be the only way. They've made so many mistakes over the years. They corrected some of them at last year's deadline, and that's what fueled their second half and a run to the conference finals. I don't think they have it in them again. I think this is kind of like what the Lakers are going to be for the rest of, you know, however much longer they have LeBron. And uh, and we'll see what happens after that. I, I don't think there's any saving this team this year the way there was last year. Well, it's going to be an interesting, I guess, like 20 hours, if my math does it right. 22. Uh, 20 hours. Okay, whatever. Uh, until the NBA trade deadline. We appreciate you coming in. Have a, a blast with the rest of this uh, Raptors season and how the next 24 hours go. And we'll definitely get you on again. Yeah, thanks Thank for having me. Thanks so much. Uh, Joe Kasharo, of course, of The Score and Pound the Rock podcast. Uh, we are just right around the corner from finding out which direction those Raptors go with all those picks and all those players that just continue to be in the trade deadline rumors. Uh, just a reminder, Raptors are up tonight on Sportsnet 1 against Charlotte at 7 p.m. A team lower than them in the standings. They should win. Uh, this is a bad question because it is. Uh, it comes with a level of ignorance because I've not watched Charlotte Hornet games of late. But is Kyle like hanging around? Is, like, I don't Lowry think he's reporting. There? He's not even like in the Correct. state. I don't think he's okay. shown up. Oh, there are no props on him tonight. But we <laughs> no. do have some best bets. <laughs> I know he's not going to be playing. But <laughs> I just looked at the roster today. The first one I saw was Kyle Lowry. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely sad. no eyes on him in a Charlotte UD yet. Uh, we do have some best bets for you tonight. As we mentioned, uh, Leafs are up next against Dallas on 7 p.m. on Sportsnet. We're going to have our pregame show in about five minutes as well. Uh, so I am going to go hopefully five for five on my best bets for player goals this week um Sagan Tyler Sagan this guy loves playing in Toronto obviously he's mm-hmm. a, a guy from around here he's got 17 goals in 35 games against the Maple Leafs and 35 points in 35 games against the Maple Leafs he puts puck in the net tonight plus 280 uh that is my Sagan prop I have one fun one for you as well two Robertson brothers going head to head the Robertson Bowl tonight for them both to score, plus 1450. I don't mind it. I mean, it's happened before, so it could be uh, another one for tonight. Uh, yeah, Sagan's all-star moment will have to come tonight if he's going to have it because, mm-hmm. of course, it was Jake Ottinger who represented the Dallas Stars this past weekend. Jake Ottinger played last night, and therefore Scott Wedgwood is in net. So I just like the Leafs tonight, minus 130, okay. going against a backup goaltender. Normally, I mean, the Leafs have not been very good at home, and that's been something that Sheldon Keefe is currently grappling with uh but facing a backup goaltender on home ice um after playing reasonably well the other night i think the maple leafs bounce back here and minus 130 is a pretty decent price to pay let's continue with the big board of picks okay i've got two to add to the big board today because we are building our prop sheet for super bowl 58 there we go we got kelsey mvp 20 to 1 a 60 yard field goal to be hit at 40 to 1 
Mahomes, we're going to ladder him up. Starts at minus 135, 250 yards and a touchdown. And the double result, Chiefs win the first half. 49ers win the second half. And also from yesterday, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, over 100 yards and a touchdown is plus 190. Added today. That's the only way to get value in CMC. Yeah, he's got to do it all. He's got to score. I mean, you could probably play the MVP prop if you wanted oh, well, to. Because I think that's a decent play as well that's in the round plus 400 range. But I think it's a little bit more... Uh, safe to just play him at, uh, you know, a big game. 100 yards and a touchdown is basically what you expect from him. Mm -hmm. For today, total TD passes in the game under 3.5, minus 120. If Mahomes ends up with two and Brock, Mm -hmm. there's tons of guys who can run the ball into the end zone, so I like that one. And team with the highest scoring quarter, San Francisco minus 105. They have uh, quarters of 17 and 10 points so far in these playoffs. (sighs) That's a lot of bets, Justin. And I'm going to play them all. And I'm glad be, we're documenting them. It'll be you that I'll come running to if I don't hit any. Um, we'll take a quick break. Josh Cloak on the other side for our pregame show. Leafs up against Dallas at 7 p.m. across the Sportsnet Network. We'll be back in a minute.